Welcome to the Unified Brand Podcast, brought to you by Elements Brand Management, a weekly brand building and brand strategy podcast to help you unlock your brand's potential, stand out from the competition, and create impact. So today we're joined by Sebastian Corner, Chief Mindsetter at Money Freedom Mindset, helping other coaches and solo entrepreneurs eliminate the blocks that get in their way of taking consistent action so they can give themselves permission to create a business on their terms. Great to have you on the Unified Brand Podcast, Sebastian. It'd be good to learn a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. A bit about myself. Well, thank you for the lovely introduction. The way I put this a little more lighthearted and more in the pirate spirit, which explains right the pirate garb as well as tongue-in-cheek. I help my clients cheat, lie, and steal back their own mind. Essentially, we all create the reality we live in by the deeply held stories, belief, and thoughts we have in like three broad categories about myself, about the other people around me, and about the world at large, right? Whether that is my business, marketing, sales, right? Relationships, health, whatever we believe, essentially we're wired to kind of create that. And that's why I just, from my own personal experience, it took me a while to wake up to that, right? As, as a lot of us coaches are, we reproduce our own journey. But it took me a while to actually really connect also to emotionally what I had going on. And that started me on my personal journey. And there were several instances that were really powerful for me and hit home the point that, well, that's what I want to do for other people. And I was already a coach for a while. When the next story surfaced, and that was in all the coaching programs and training programs I joined, I was helping other coaches out. And still, I had the story for the longest time that I'm not ready to be a coach for coaches, right? Who am I to help other coaches? <laughs> all the other coaches were glad to take my help, but it took upgrading that story and revising it for me to actually launch the group program to now really target coaches and solopreneurs and to really step fully into giving myself permission to build the business that I wanted to build. Wow, that's awesome. So just on your sort of story itself, where did the passion come from to help your clients and help others? If you had met me in my late teens, early 20s, and maybe even throughout my 20s, I would have told you, look, I'm driven. And the reason I'm successful is because I don't have emotions. And then you might have said, well, wait a minute, Sebastian, everybody has emotions. And I would have said, no, no, listen, Chris, I don't effing have emotions. And that was my experience. Like everything below the neckline was sort of quite disconnected. I was living here. I was driven. I was planning. I was executing. And it was exhausting. I didn't quite know why, but something fell off. And then I had kids and it started more of a process of reflection. And still to this day, I don't know. Was it now six, seven years ago? still don't know what got me to listen to a particular guided recording by a woman named Marissa Pierce, but I found myself lying on my living room floor at the end of it and just bawling my eyes out. The guy who didn't have emotions was just, just dissolved in tears. And all because somehow I had memories flashing back to me from like when I was a year old, a year and a half old, so time when I didn't even really have words. So even if I had wanted to in therapy, I could have not talked about it. And something fell in place there for me. All this drive, all the things I had been doing and pushing myself to do were all still at some level in order to prove that I was lovable and I had a right to be here. Because in a very early childhood experience, something broke there. And when I got up and went to dry my face in the bathroom, 
The next powerful sort of shift was for the first time I looked in the mirror and rather than seeing some familiar stranger's face that I was shaving every day, I had this weird sensation of actually recognizing myself. And that was the moment when I said, wow, that is powerful. And I want to do that for other people because that's when I realized that I also wasn't the only one right, who had ticked all the boxes, who was outwardly successful. And if you're really honest, that's somehow miserable inside, like something was just off and missing. And from there, I went and studied with Marissa Peer, learned rapid transformational therapy. Now, as you can tell, right, therapy, everybody there asked, oh, what kind of therapist are you going to be? And I always looked at them, I'm not going to be a therapist. What do you mean? What are you doing here? I'm like, no, I'm a coach. But I want these tools to work on the subconscious in my toolbox because I know what that can do for the clients I work with. And that's how I started out. My first two clients actually found me. And uh, <laughs> as soon as I put it out there, they were already in my network. And um, when you ask, why do I do money mindset now as well? Because my first client was someone I had gone to university with, was somewhat of a personal friend. So when he said, hey, can you help me with this? I'm like, sure, I can. And I prepared for that conversation, what I would ask him, what I would do. And then we had the conversation and really it wasn't a sales conversation. He was already sold on working with me. And I had written down what I wanted to charge him. And when he finally said, all right, I get it. Now, fine. How much is it? I confidently said exactly half the number I had written down. And the moment that left, right, came out loud of my mouth, in my head, I already heard, well, because I'm just starting out and because we're friends and I'm like, okay, something is still going on, right, <laughs> in, in the mindset. And so that started a deeper journey into what are all the thoughts and stories that I have there and cleaning up my own over time and realizing that it's how we all operate. We all have thoughts, we all have beliefs, whether that's about money, about anything in life. And those determine what we do and don't do. And so that's why I focus on helping my clients steal back their own mind, right? Peeling back the layers of stories and beliefs and just helping them see and remember that the cool thing about that is at some point you decided to believe that consciously or subconsciously, which means you can change it. Maybe one last quick thing to end on a bit of a higher note here is Chief mindsetter, why? Because mindset is actually a misnomer. The cool part about it is, it is not set. You can constantly evolve it if you consciously choose to do so, but you cannot change what you do not know. And that's what I focus on with my clients. Yeah, that's awesome. I really like that. I think I was going to ask you, where do you, so with regards to limiting beliefs, where do the limiting beliefs come from? Is there a way to identify them or to understand where they hold you back? I would say so. Consider that the first and most obvious place to look is take any area of your life. And if you don't like the results you're getting and you have drinks with the guys at the bar, you can get, you know, I don't know, you ask five people and you get seven different versions of advice for what to do differently. All right. But this stays only at the surface. If you don't like the results and you set goals and you find yourself not quite following through on them, You've just found a limiting belief, a story about yourself that is not aligned with what you're trying to create. You may not know what that story is yet, but when you find yourself at the end of the day, not having taken the action you set out to take, whether you call that procrastinating, and let's be clear, for anyone running their own business, procrastinating is usually not that you're sitting and binging on Netflix, right? Or doing mindless idle stuff. No, it's probably that you're busy, very busy putting in long hours 
just not on the things you kind of know would really take your business to the next level, right? And if you find yourself in a business setting in that situation or in your relationship, avoiding the conversation you know you ought to have, now I can tell you what the belief is exactly that you're going to find. But I can tell you that there's something playing in the background that you had better get real clear on if you want to make actual progress. Because what determines what actions you take and don't take? That's your emotional state. And what triggers your emotions? It's those deeply held beliefs, right? It's those identity thoughts that you have about yourself that filter what information gets in and that trigger the response to it. So then how do you get there? Well, do you need a coach for it? No, you can probably do journal. You can probably do meditation. You can probably have a dialogue with yourself and eventually get there. But why do a lot of top performers, well, definitely in sports, but also in business, have coaches and often more than one? More because usually you can get deeper, faster with someone who pushes you, who helps to shine a light on that blind spot that we all have. I mean, I'm a coach. I have my own coach. Why? Coaches. Why? Because as my ex-wife used to say, well, for a coach, you really suck at taking your own advice. I'm like, no, I'm just human and have my own blind spots, right? So if you don't like the results that you have and or you notice that you're not taking the actions you set out to do, let's just work with the assumption that there's a belief or a story you have about yourself, about your business playing in the background that gets in the way. Yeah. And would you say that similar to the money side of things is down to generally down to some sort of series or set of limiting beliefs that are holding people back from reaching what they could do? Yeah. Let me share an example to illustrate this or maybe two depending on, right? Yeah, sure. I had a coach join my small group program who had probably her biggest breakthrough before we actually started working already in the conversation, right? I mean, the program is around money, freedom, mindset. And so obviously at some point, there's also a conversation about what you invest. <laughs> and then if you haven't worked through your money mindset yet in this particular instance, that's often a very interesting and powerful conversation. Now, she realized that there was a lot of shame around actually spending money on herself. She was really good at giving to everyone else. And so there was a lot of emotional breaking through there before she even gave herself permission to join the program. Then we still did the deep dive and cleared up a lot of those stories. And then in the second part of the program, we go into implementation. And she comes back to one of our coaching calls and goes, yeah, I was just really excited. I need to tell you something. I did something that in four of the coaching programs I had joined before this one, they all had told me, but I never did. And uh, I did this thing. And in 24 hours, I added $1,000 to my business. And then, you know, I had to ask her what that thing was, because I don't teach necessarily strategy, right? I come from, you already know what will take your business to the next level. And her experience was having removed the block around one shame around getting, you know, spending on herself, but also receiving that money. Now she was actually free to implement what she had spent $15,000 with other people on getting as advice. When you look at branding, right, and actually showing up. See, I know that when we talk about money mindset, we often get to also questions about what am I worth? What is my product worth? Right? What is my coaching worth? It's money is a very emotionally charged set of stories and beliefs we have very often, which is why I use that as the back door into all the beliefs that are holding you back. And that is also why with some of my clients, I get to like the conversation with Dan, who was just really afraid that if he put himself out authentically, there would be a lot of backlash from his network, from his friends, from his family. 
He had a private Instagram account where he was very open, but he hadn't taken it right public yet. When really all the feedback he got from his followers there was that this is great stuff. Now we work through what was holding him back. What was the fear that got in the way of just showing up on social media, taking that Instagram account public. And when we cleared that block, he did. And that's when, you know, his reels started getting uh, 10,000 views. That's when three clients or potential clients a week started reaching out to him. And that's when he started signing clients just off what he had been doing all along, but in a more private area. Did I teach him what you do about branding and marketing? No, I did not. But the reason he didn't do what he knew would take his business to the next level was because there was a different story playing in the background and creating that space finding those stories and helping you do the work to actually upgrade them right? because they are emotionally charged. You've repeated them in your head thousands of times. That is the work that I do so that you can give yourself permission to build your business your way, whether that's on Instagram, on LinkedIn or without social media at all, that's up to you. But if you're not where you want to be, chances are you're human. And as soon as you reach the edge of your comfort zone, doubt, fear and all those stories showing up whether you know it or not yeah i was going to say comfort zone when you're talking then about the um take that next step or the next leap i always think of comfort zone as being something that if you can push yourself out of your comfort zone it generally tends to help you grow in some way but it can be really scary to do so and there are things that always hold you back from that and like you said it's those edges of of yourself almost that you have to find out where they are so I was going to ask you, what's the single biggest thing that you see most of your clients struggling with? What's the thing that is a commonality amongst business owners and entrepreneurs? I think no matter how successful you are, you will always reach your next breaking point where you feel scared and imposter again, right? And just not good enough. And what I really appreciate is that by now, more and more of the people sort of leading the pack and being really successful are also a little more open about sharing that. So every so often you get glimpses into, I mean, even Beyonce had to create a second persona for herself so that she got over her imposter syndrome. And that was, you know, just a few years ago. So well established in her career, right? So that's one thing I think we're all human and um, there might be a few more zeros involved for someone else as to where does it get scary, but we all have that point where it gets scary and where you get to right? push yourself through there again. And I think with that comes, especially when you're still earlier in building your business, the struggle to consistently take action because you don't see the results yet necessarily, right? Uh, you don't necessarily have the competence yet that creates the confidence to feel well in what you're doing. And that I would say is probably the second thing to focus on because it's so easy to talk ourselves out of taking that uncomfortable action. One trap is waiting for motivation because there's a whole big area of personal development and, and speakers and all on motivation on this mystical thing that we all have inside of us. And then when you have it, it, you know, first it's a trickle and then it builds into a river and then it becomes this white water rafting river that carries you towards your goal. Well, the only problem with that is we've all been there, done that, right? Jump fully in, all motivated with this new idea. And then at some point, motivation just wears off. Take anyone who is successful though. And what got them to their level of success? Every overnight success is 10 years or more in the making, right? It's consistently doing the work, mastering whatever it is that you're doing. Motivation doesn't sustain you through that. 
Now, when you're buying that, when you start believing that, you might still catch yourself every so often. I sometimes do waiting for the right moment, right? That's the motivation trap. Okay. I can shift that. Now we're talking about taking consistent action. And now the next layer we use to talk ourselves out of it is, I need to know more. This has to be just right. I'm not done planning yet. Whatever your version of how to is, and there's a lot of how to you need to build your business. Yes. And how to is usually another way of our mind keeping us safe, because as long as I'm stuck in how to, I don't have to go do that thing, right? I can still take another course and I'm guilty, <laughs> guilty as charged. All right. I, coaches love learning, right? So add an addiction to learning on top of it. And you know how I fascinate it, right? And sometimes still got to slap myself left and right and face the fear and go do the thing. But how to is the next thing we, we latch onto because it seems like if I can only figure out this, how to set up my brand, right? Or how to change my posts on LinkedIn. Then I'm going to be ready to post consistently. That's the other way around. Once you have a system, once you set, you know, yourself up to post every day, yeah, you will learn, you will grow, you will, you know, develop things, you will screw up. Sure. Right. But that's how you build your business. So this is why I say the common denominator is you think you're the only one who feels afraid, right? You're the only one who doubts themselves. Everyone else is so much more successful and they can't possibly feel this. The fact that that's how you feel makes you the same as all of us. And until you embrace that fear as a good thing, because it's actually a sign that there's a desire driving you, that you're at the edge of your comfort zone. Like you said, Chris, right? How do you know that it's the edge of your comfort zone? Because you're starting to doubt yourself. You're starting to wonder if you know enough. If you're really self-aware, you realize the fear. We're hardwired to feel afraid. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's interesting. When you said that, then I suddenly thought of something. You said, how do I know enough? That's when you feel when you're at the edge of your comfort zone. It's almost like the only way you're going to know enough is if you push yourself outside your comfort zone. It's kind of you need that step almost to understand. You have to experience something fully to understand it. So for years, I wanted to post on YouTube or the podcast and I stopped myself. It was one of those things where I'll just learn a bit more, I'll watch a few more videos on how to do it, what's the best thing to do. And uh, I ended up watching something that just said, look, good is good enough. Good is good enough and then you can improve. And that was the thing that kind of pushed me to take that step. And since then, the first ones, if I watch them back now, they're absolutely shocking. They're terrible. And you kind of like, but you learn from them every single step, which is amazing. And there was something that you said that was really interesting. And I wanted to ask you about it. And that is what are your thoughts on comparison in terms of comparing yourself to somebody else? Because I sometimes find that motivates me in, in a lot of ways, but I also find sometimes it can hold you back. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, kudos to you, Chris, for recognizing that right? one of your patterns to procrastinate is that perfectionism, making it just right. And um, the challenge is, especially when you come out of a career background, it's sort of a politically correct, you know, one of those weaknesses that is really a strength kind of thing. So it's totally accepted and all that. But let's face it, perfectionists are driven by three major fears. The first one is obvious, right? The fear of failure. That's what's holding you back. But it, ironically, you're also afraid of success because then, you know, what's left when you get there. More importantly, when you do succeed, you usually uh, chuck it up to an accident or someone else could have done a better job, right? You never really allow yourself to enjoy it either. And then thirdly, you know, chances are you're also afraid of strong emotions, positive as well as negative, right? And all of that combines into something where, and this leads into answering your question, for perfectionists, that comparison always runs the danger of feeding those very fears, right? So here's how I would answer it. I would reframe goals, not as a place to get to, but as a place to come from. 
when a goal is a place to come from, I can look at who am I when I have that, right? I can look at, in any given moment, you know, Chris, who is okay with putting content out as good enough and improving over time would do right now, right? Which can guard against making it perfect. The other part that goes into that is when I look at who do I get to be? How do I get to show up? Then I get to the only comparison worthwhile making. And that is to myself yesterday, to myself last week, because now we're getting to what I have control over. And that is how do I respond to what is going on? Okay. And that is where, you know, practices like journaling, like gratitude, like, you know, building your own wall of fame, what, you know, there's lots of little things you can do there, help to focus that comparison for yourself, because chances are, you also when you're comparing yourself to others, you fall into the negativity bias and discount your own strengths, your own success, right? Once we get started there, you go on YouTube, you watch those people who seem to never sleep, who seem to always be motivated. So there must be something wrong with me when I'm not motivated, right? So that's always the danger of comparison. On the positive side, when you're looking for inspiration, I think there's a subtle difference there. When you say like sometimes it motivates you, then I would put forth the hypothesis that what you've really done was taking inspiration, right? Maybe in a way of, right, how do you frame it? If I frame it as what's possible, then I'll go, wow, that's awesome. As long as I stop myself from then going into the inevitable judgment of, and why have you not done it? Use whatever expletive you want to put there, right? That your inner critic and judge has reserved just for you. So if you could stay away from that, then by all means, take the inspiration. But that's the danger of comparison. And before you go now and beat yourself up for having compared yourself to others, that too is something we're hardwired to do. Why? Because we have to compare ourselves to others so that we know how to fit in. And we have to fit in because the survival part of our brain, you're not part of a tribe. You're as good as dead. So in order to keep you safe, your brain is constantly making those comparisons. And there, you've probably done it for years. And they've added to the beliefs, the stories you carry around about yourself. How you're not good enough how you were never, whatever, the fastest, the smartest, the whatever kid in the room. And you've reaffirmed those stories and beliefs with every comparison you've done. Yeah, interesting. So there's three things I think you've said that were really, really interesting. There's two things you said about different types of comparisons, so inspiration and comparison. It's a really good point because I think you're right. I think that's what I do. So when you take the motivation, it's more inspiration. It's more, wow, look at what this person's doing. What are they doing that makes this work? How can I either emulate or use some of this or in terms of get inspiration from this, do a version of it for myself. Whereas like you said, the comparison side is generally negative. And it's generally when you're on one of those parts of your, you know, daily roller coasters where you're up and down and you hit yourself at the down point and then you do the comparisons, it's a different feeling. And I really like what you said about the only comparison that's worth making is to yourself yesterday. That's a really, really important point. I think a lot of people need to remember because I had something like that happen to me the other day where I was I was just reflecting on where we were previously with the business and where we are now. And it was a stark moment where I actually suddenly connected with that and suddenly thought, hang on a minute, I should be really proud of where we've got to. This is amazing, like where we've come to. And I don't do that often enough. And I don't think many people do, to be fair. I think especially high achievers have a tendency to just say, okay, done, what's next? I'm totally with you there. And you've touched on another point in that, and that is when you're in the moment, when you're caught up, it's often very hard 
to even see how far you've come, right? So it does help every so often to do sort of a change in perspective and intentionally look even not just to yesterday, but maybe compared to last year, because it's easier to see the actual progression, the actual movement there. So when you realize that you don't do that often enough, part of that is building habits, building skills, actually training yourself to do it. And part of that is if you just found yourself saying, yeah, I, I should do that more often too, then what that tells you is there's a lot of beliefs and stories playing in the background. I can tell you right now that are probably not favorable about your own competence and your own skill level, right? And that is probably more focused on what you should still do better. And that same voice will tell you, oh yeah, of course, without me, you would not be here. Without me, you would become a slacker and you know, it's just you know, everything would just go. I don't agree with that, with that voice. I think if you're a high achiever, if you've gotten here to this point, then the more interesting question is, and what might you have accomplished if you weren't driving yourself so hard, if you weren't beating yourself, right? If you were actually showing yourself the same empathy and compassion, you would show to your best friend in the same situation. So I think one of the key things I share with all my clients is usually we're not our own best friend. We're our own worst enemy in a lot of cases. So whenever you do these kind of reflections, whenever you maybe even catch yourself comparing yourself, a simple exercise that can shift that perspective is to simply say, okay, if worlds were reversed, what would you tell your best friend in that situation? And chances are you would be kinder. You would be more focused on what is actually going well. You would be more focused on their strengths and their skill sets and point out the experiences they've had and point out how you know, circumstances, you know, added something outside of their control. And I'm going to venture that for most of us, at least initially, that will be a lot more empathic and kind than the monologue or dialogue that's playing in your internal board of directors right here. Yeah, it's a great tip. That's a really good tip. I think you're right. I think it's easy to be dismissive or to discredit yourself or to be too harsh on yourself a lot of the time. And like you said, I'm definitely guilty of going, right, done, what's next? That's kind of a common thing, right? We've got to this place where we go next. And I think it's easy to get into that routine. I think that's a positive in some regards, but in a lot of regards, you need to take stock of where you are and understand and, and be a little bit kinder, like you're telling yourself, how have you got there? Why have you achieved that? What have been the good points along the way that have got you there? I was going to ask actually, so working with clients, I mean, we had a little, you sent over a questionnaire for me to look at in the year, and actually still now to this point, there's the word that you got me to create in that. There was a word that was part of it. And I still daily repeat that word to myself whenever anything sort of is going right or even wrong. Actually, sometimes if there's something that's kind of a little bit not the best, I will say that word, I'll repeat that word of what we talked about in that questionnaire and focus on that. It's been really helpful. So I wanted to ask, how do you work with clients? What's your process? What's the program that you run with your clients? And what is the ultimate goal you want to take someone through as part of that process? So. I think there's a twofold answer. One is I have a small group program that has more of a, if you will, structured process like what you're asking, right? There I can tell you, look, it's called money freedom mindset. Some of my clients say you should just call it life freedom mindset. I said, I know, but you know, we're still going to do that. And this is what we do say, okay, so if you feel like you're not quite creating the impact and income yet that you would like, let's go take a look at what's playing in the background there. And we'll spend the first four weeks on doing a guided deep dive into all the beliefs that are playing there, the key emotional experiences that shape those beliefs, 
and your entire relationship with yourself, with your business and with money. So that then, as I said earlier, I think somewhere, you cannot change what you do not know. And often those uncomfortable ones, we try and stay away from those emotions. But if you stay away from those emotions, you still can't quite get to actually releasing, you know, whatever guilt, shame, whatever you might find there. And until you do that, I mean, you can write down 150 affirmations a day, but you'll just create more resistance. And after a while you give up on affirmations because they don't work. They don't work because you don't break that emotional connection and do the actual work of releasing that belief that is already predominant. In so that's what we focus on first. Then do the work to upgrade it so that, you know, you take those beliefs that are not aligned with what you want to create and work towards upgrading those. The way I describe it is right now, when you come and start working with me, for the most part, you're driving on autopilot down a five lane highway at 100 and, you know, whatever, 80K an hour, okay, on those patterns that you've built. If you want to disrupt that, you need to first be able to pause it. And then you need to build an alternative route for your autopilot. So that's what we focus on initially first. And then I know that, how do we learn anything? Through repetition. So then it's about really stepping into that and integrating that. And that's why my clients then in week four create their 60 day empowered action playbook. Everybody is at slightly different points in their business. And my premise is you already know at least a few of the things that you've been avoiding that would take your business to the next level. So now that we removed some of the blocks and dealt with some of the doubt and fear, own it, step into it, define what your success rituals are, and then we support you in the next 60 days in actually taking that action. Group coaching, virtual co-working sessions, everything designed to basically take away all the excuses to keep pushing it up. And that's what creates the results. Okay, so that's in the small group program, which is why there I'm confident to say, if you are a coach, if you run a business, if you do the work in my program and you don't at least make back your investment, I'll just keep working with you for free until you do, because I know if you do the work, right, of course you have to do the work. And that's what we structured the program for. Now, one-on-one, -on -one, which is a bit of a different animal, there's elements in there that I will do. For example, I talk about how we all have our own internal board of directors. And there's a different program, App Guided, where it's about building the skills to really disrupt this negative self-talk, to recenter yourself, okay? Which, if you want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, you're going through that program, even though it's not mine, okay? Because it's key that you build the skills to disrupt the negative self-talk and so that we can spend our time looking at where the beliefs getting in the way and what's what really blocking you. The key there is... You have something you create or you want to create and you notice that you've tried all kinds of things and you basically come to me and you say, can't quite put my finger on it. Perfect. Let me take you right into a deep dive into your subconscious. Let me give you the skills to disrupt that negative self-talk and deal with it. And let me help you build the rituals and the structure that takes you to the next level and your business in the process. Because here's the thing. If you run a business, you don't have a business problem. You always have a personal problem that shows up in your business. And so that's the longer version of how I help you cheat, lie, and steal back your own mind. Because there's a part of you that already knows. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, actually. For the first couple of years in business, I thought everything was to do with business problems. And some things you can improve with that. And obviously, you can improve those, those variables. But 
the biggest thing for people in business is mindset, hundred percent across the board, and it's the thing that holds you back the most, I think. And maybe one of my hero clients illustrates this perfectly. Coach K, she had built a seven-figure business in a different sector before, so she knew how to build a business. Okay, it was a seven-figure one, essentially a one-person business. Now, when she and I talk, she's like, "Now I switched to coaching." And I'm stuck right below sort of the 5K mark, right? Which means it's not even a six-figure business quite yet. And she's like, I, I know what to do and I can't figure out why I don't do it. I'm like, all right, let's go take a look. So we did the deep dive. We had, you know, that structured process to take you into the subconscious. And in a very emotional session, here's what she realized. At the height of that seven-figure business, her husband walked out on her and the marriage saying she cared more about the business than about the relationship. That was five years ago. And they were still in a battle where he sued her over every cent of that business. And then three weeks after her husband had walked out on her, her mom suffered a stroke. And what she realized when we went into that emotion, into that story, right? This wasn't a childhood story, right? This was from five years back, but even though it doesn't make any sense, what was there emotionally for her was, if I'm financially successful, it hurts my relationships and might even hurt the people I love. She was not sabotaging herself. She was just true and aligned to something that was way more important to her than financial success could ever be. She wasn't aware of it. When she released that and, you know, we healed that, off she went. And I mean, today she has a multiple six-figure coaching business and I take pages out of her book because she knows how to run a business <laughs> and how to build a business. And that experience illustrates to me powerfully how much we all create that reality and how those emotionally charged beliefs we have about ourselves drive what we do and don't do yeah that's an amazing story i definitely see that you can have that sort of um that fear almost of success you talked about earlier on potentially because you're trying to hold yourself back from potentially a negative or what you perceive as a negative consequence of something from your point of view, what's one thing that everyone should take away from this podcast, but also as a way to kind of that they could action straight away What's something they can take away one or two points. Let's do two. If you want to have a practical, just one quick hack the next time you find yourself in that spiral, right? In that thought spiral. Actually, I'll give you two on that. And that is the first one is just realize that it's your mind's job to be fearful, to doubt, to be negative. Okay. Now, if you were anything like me growing up as a teenager, my mom would say, right, oh, don't go and drink too much, right? Don't stay out too late and all of those things. What would I do? I would say, yes, mom. Then I would go meet my friends and do it anyway. If you picture this part of your brain in a funny way, whether it's your overprotective dad or mom or whatever works for you, but simply give it a picture of character and treat it that way. Thank you for sharing. Right? Don't even fight it. No point, right? It just creates more resistance. Thank you for sharing. And then just leave it at that. Sometimes that's all it takes. Don't engage, leave it at that. When that doesn't help, remember that in the moment, it's emotions that determine what actions you take and don't take. And when you find yourself emotionally, ugh, move your body, right? You don't have time to do the deep work. I get it, not in the moment. So then move your body, shift your emotional state. Whether that is push-ups, pull-ups, or whatever you do, right? like me, that's what I can like to do. 
putting on your favorite music and doing a dance, doing some yoga stretches, a walk outside, it doesn't matter as long as you affect your emotional state. And the beauty about that is emotions are energy and motion. So move your body, change your emotional state. Those are two quick things you can do when you find yourself procrastinating on something in the moment. If you want to get out of this lack of consistency in the long run, if you want to take a real stab at getting yourself to that next level, you're welcome to contact me. But really, find someone you trust. Don't do it with a friend. Do it with a professional and do the work. Play the game of looking at what's playing in the back. What are the beliefs that maybe I kind of was aware of? Sometimes my clients go, I already worked on this three times before. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like peeling layers, right? You get to the next level, you find the next level to unpack. But find someone you trust, someone who can help you shine a light on that blind spot. Because, as I said before, you cannot change what you do not know. Once you know, it's like in the movie, The Matrix, right? You take that pill, you can never go back, right? You can never unlearn it. You can never forget it again. But that, to me, is the key of taking charge of your own mind. Yeah, that's a great analogy. You said about The Matrix, definitely. I like the idea of what's playing in the background. I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. But I saw something the other day that almost said that there's no such thing as original thought because you're your conscious mind is something like a certain amount of milliseconds behind your subconscious mind. So everything it originates from somewhere that you don't know where it's come from, essentially. It's been generated in your subconscious. Then you've had a conscious thought based upon it. So with that in mind, it is literally you are running on autopilot a lot of the time with regards to what you do, processes and patterns. Like you said, that well-trodden highway or whatever that you're 80 mile an houring down. So I like the idea of uncovering what's in the background and finding out and updating, like you said, that almost operating system, as it were, to help improve how you do things going forward. Yes. And then based on that, you will find it a lot easier to build the systems to maintain it going forward. Because that's the favorite quote of mine from James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits. We all think we rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our system. And at the basis of most of our systems, habits, routines, you know, things we do regularly is that blueprint that is made up of the beliefs, the stories, the thoughts we have about ourselves, other people, and the world at large. So if you want to change anything sustainably, and you want to take empowered action in your life, go take a look, see what you find. It doesn't align with what you want to create. Well, the example of Coach K, you have conflicting beliefs, right? Often it's not even quite just one, but you know, some that cause a lot of tension, then do the work to align them with what you want to create. And you will find that there's a lot more ease, a lot more flow on the other side of that process, as scary as it might initially be. It's been awesome talking today, Sebastian. I'll put all your details in the show notes below. If anyone's got any need to reach out to Sebastian, I'll put those details in the show notes below. But um, yeah, it's been awesome talking to you and it'd be great to have you on again sometime to do a follow-up. Perfect. I would love that so much for having me, Chris. Thanks for your questions. And yeah, let's let the contact information share maybe the link to my free newsletter as well. If you want to just get, you know, a weekly dose of mindset inspiration, something to, you know, at least keep a bit of awareness front and center, right, on the power of your mind and on the power of stories, then uh, feel free to sign up for that. And I'll happily share that. And you and I can just talk about when we're going to go into part two of taking charge of your online. Thanks for having me. Sounds good. No worries. No, it's been awesome. Thank you.